Welcome to another episode of Sales is Not a Dirty Word. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. As always, I am your show host, Alicia Barr, your revolutionary sales coach for solopreneurs and creator of this inspiring podcast. You can check me out at aliciabarr.com. Our podcast is all about alternative sales strategies, whether that's workshopping with people like you or meeting with other experts to bring you real help you can implement now. This episode is about how to create a sales generating podcast community with Isar Metis. Isar is a serial entrepreneur from Israel with three tech startups behind him. Since 2020, he is the CEO of Be The Stage, a company that believes that relationships are more important than transactions and that helps other businesses capitalize on relationship-driven growth. Isar is a father of three. He likes soccer, mountain biking, and hiking, and he does not take life too seriously. Welcome to the big show. Isar, sales is not a dirty word. Oh my God, Alicia, I'm so, so, so excited to be here. I mean, we had such a blast on my show and I, I'm, I can't wait to have this conversation with you here. I know I had such a good time talking to you and Isar did this incredible job really um, <clears throat> distilling what I do to customize a sales process so that other people could implement it themselves. So you could customize your own sales process listening to the episode. So you should definitely check that out if you can. I'll include it in the show notes. And he has just a really value-packed podcast in general, which is a big part of what you do for other people in addition to yourself, right, Isar? Uh, true, true. I, yes. You know, it's, I'll tell you a little bit of the origin story, how it all happened, because it's actually okay. very relevant to our conversation. So like you said, I, I was a tech startup guy. I was in three different tech startups doing in, in different fields. So I, one was in training and simulation. The second one was in kind of like affiliate marketing. And the third one was a travel e-commerce platform. So three very different things were all tech startups. And then the company I was in got sold. And, uh, and I, was, I stayed in the bigger, we, we went through a big merger and I really didn't like the bigger company. So I left. Yeah. And it, it's been like two years that I've been there and I, and I quit my job. I, was, I had a fancy title and a fancy job and a, a big paycheck but I just didn't like coming to work every morning. So I quit. And the first thing that I missed was talking to other business people because now I didn't have a fancy job and a fancy title and people to talk to. It was just me. And I, I started investing in startups and stuff like that, but that was very, very small. Like I, I had, you know, communication with that person and this person and that's it. So I'm like, Ooh, I like listening to podcasts. What if I start a podcast and now I can talk to interesting business people. And it's not weird. Like I, I wouldn't be just calling, hey, Alicia, do you want to talk to me? And you're like, hey, weirdo, what do you want? Just leave me alone. But if I tell you, hey, Alicia, I have a podcast about business growth. Do you want to talk to me? Everybody says yes, right? So, but when I launched the podcast, you know, I, I'm, I'm a tech guy from Israel. I know a lot of tech people. And I'm like, I started interviewing them. So I interviewed a few people that I knew from, uh, you know, first level relationships. And after I did, six or seven or eight of them, I don't know, something like that. I'm like, I got to go beyond that. This is ridiculous. I can't continue just interviewing people that know me. I got to go and grow above that. And I like listening to TED Talks. And I was listening to a TED Talk uh, by this guy called Isaac Litsky. And his story is incredible, both his personal journey as well as his business journey. And I'm like, I want to interview this guy, which is really stupid. Like, why would a TED speaker want to be on my show and I have seven episodes and four people listening, including my siblings and my wife. And so 
but I went out on LinkedIn. I said, hey, Isaac, it's Isar. I have a show. Do you want to be a guest on my show? And the next day there was an answer. Yes, absolutely. How do we schedule this? And the first thing you're like, yes, I nailed my first real guest. I was so excited. But then the second thing is, so before that, I thought I was running a travel company. I was running a hundred million dollar travel company. Yeah. And a lot of people would not meet with me because I was not important enough. I was not relevant enough. I was not something. And now this guy, I'm a nobody. I have six episodes and five listeners. And this guy that has been on TED, the TED, not even TEDx, like the TED you get invited to speak on. Oh, just out of the blue said, yes. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like there has to be some business value to what just happened. And I started researching. I started looking for people who figured it out. How do you take a podcast and leverage it in order to create connections and relationships with people that allow you to grow your business? And the way I did this is by interviewing people who did this to my podcast, right? So I invited people who figured it out. And I invited them to my podcast and I can ask them questions and they answered. And slowly I started putting different pieces of the puzzle together. And the biggest leap forward was when I met the person who's now my business partner, Pablo Gonzalez, who really figured out that the podcast itself is nice, but it's not enough. And the missing piece is a community. If you can leverage the podcast or we now do live shows and we can talk more about that later on. If you can leverage the podcast to build a community, the community will be an incredible lever to grow your business. So that's kind of like a very long way to explain or to answer what you just said. <laughs> well, it was great. You're right. It added a lot of context. And by community, do you mean like a Facebook group? Like, what do you mean? Great question. So the platform doesn't really matter. Uh, Totally honest, today we do this on Facebook groups, but there are a lot of other options, right? So there's community-based platforms like Circle and stuff like that. Uh, you can do it on different forums and chat platforms. A lot of people are moving to Discord because they really kind of like have okay. beef with Facebook and stuff like that, but it doesn't really matter. It's a place that can host an ongoing communication between the people who want to be a part of your journey. And are you just posting the podcast episodes in there or are you posting other types of conversation and are you getting guests from in there or like, what does that look like that fostering of the community? So awesome question. If you don't mind, I want to take a step back and kind of explain why, right? Why are we doing all of this and why is it working from a, from a business perspective? And it's working from a business perspective because business is about relationships, right? People do business with people. At the end of the day, yes, there's companies and there's B2B and B2C, but at the end of the day, people do business with people. Unless you're buying on an e-commerce site and you go to Amazon and you download the thing and you, and you, and you get the gizmo. But if, you, if you're doing business like a B2B relationship, you're doing business with a person on the other side. And relationships has been the basis for business or for human interaction since there's been humans. So about 2 million years-ish, right? There's been communities and there's been human relationships and that was the base for more or less any human exchange. E-commerce exists for about 20 years and digital marketing roughly the same amount of time, right? And that changed a lot of the things in the mindset of like, oh, I need a funnel and I need people to download this thing. And once they download this thing, I can send them emails. And once I send them emails, after five emails, they'll know enough about me. And then I'll try to get them to be on the call with me and all these. 
And we're trying to quote unquote trick people into working with us, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is all these channels that drive these things and they're all valuable. I'm not saying there's no good things happening in digital marketing. I've been in digital marketing for a very long time and growing really large businesses based on digital marketing. But at the end of the day, all these channels become more and more and more expensive and less and less and less effective as they get saturated. Right? right. So initially it was email and then everybody was doing emails. Like, okay, I get to something else. And then social media, like now everybody's doing social media. So uh, Gmail, like uh, Google, Direct PPC. Mail. Direct so mail's making a comeback. Yeah. But all of these things have a diminishing rate of return as you get to a certain size and as your industry gets saturated on that platform. Relationships don't. Right? If you have a good relationship with somebody, they'll keep working with you because they like you and they trust you. And the problem is it's hard to grow relationships and it's hard to do it at scale. So how do you, the trick is how do you leverage the amount of time that you have to create and grow and nurture relationships and maximize it to create more relationships, Hmm. right? That's the trick. If you can do this, you can have the trust and the connection and the long-term relationship with more people than your competition, which means you'll be on the long-term more successful business. And so everything we do is built around how do you maximize your relationship building time? So now I'll I'll start answering your question about the community and what we do in the community. The whole point is to have, so there's a big difference between having an audience and having a community, Mm -hmm. right? An audience is people who will consume your content. They like what you have to say. They find you interesting. It's valuable. They will consume your content. They will not feel a part of your journey. They will not feel that they're a active participant in this thing that you're creating. A community is a group of people that has, first of all, cross relationships between them. It's not either a top-down or a bottom-up kind of relationship. It's everybody knows everybody and they have some kind of a narrative they can communicate around. So if I take your community as an example, you have a Facebook group. People will help each other in the group because they're all salespeople, right? So somebody would ask a question and not just you, but other people jump in and answer because there are other salespeople trying to help other salespeople. That's what a community drives. So it cannot be just posting the show. The show is actually a way for us to attract people to the community. The community is its own little entity that lives outside of the time that the show is happening, again, expanding the opportunity to create more relationships. Okay, so the community is the main event and the podcast is a stream of traffic. Correct. And so let me dive deeper into this point. Okay. What we do, so we started with podcasting. Again, I have a podcast. I'm I'm still podcasting. My partner has a podcast. He's still podcasting. But what we've learned is that having a live show versus an offline recording like we're doing right now has a lot of benefits when you're trying to create engagement and community and build relationships. Do you mean in person or virtual? No, virtual, but live, meaning that people could join us right now and be kind of like a Zoom webinar, right? So people could join and be a part of the conversation. Or like Clubhouse? Now, 
Isn't that kind of the like clubhouse or like like a webinar, right? People can yeah. join this Zoom. Like if we created this as open to the public, a lot of people could join us right now. It won't be just you and me. There'll be people in the quote unquote audience. So why is that? Like, what's the benefit of that? It obviously comes with a lot of headaches because now scheduling becomes a problem because other people need to join. It has to be on a regular time of the week and not just whenever you want. It has to be very well produced because every mistake you make, everybody sees because you can't edit that like you can edit a podcast. So, so why do you do that? What's the benefits? So let's go back to why. The why is I want to build relationships and I want to build high quality relationship in as little time as possible with as many people as possible. That's the trick. So what we're doing right now, and I already know you very well because we've been talking on my podcast, on your podcast for, let's say, an hour. And I feel like I know you. And I already know that you're an incredible marketing person with a brilliant mind because the thing you shared on my podcast literally blew my mind. And I know that. So we now have a relationship, but that's a one-to-one relationship. Right. Then there's the other part of the podcast, which is one-to-many, right? You're going to take this podcast and you're going to share it. So the people who are going to listen to this are listening to this after we finish this conversation a few weeks after probably. But that's a one-way street. That's you talking, they listen. It's right. not a relationship. Interactive. Yeah. The trick that comes in between is the one to few. If we would have invited people to this call as the audience, we will have four people, five people, 20 people, 50 people, 100 people. X amount of people will show up. If you do this every single week, that number keeps on growing. So our longest running client that's been doing this for two years gets between... 40 to 70 people every single week. It's a lot. Um, no, so two shows a week. So it's like 100 to 150 people show up every single week. Because of the way we run the shows, we keep the audience in the show extremely engaged. So it becomes a mini community. Do you have people like in the chat, like managing mm-hmm. the chat? Ah, so we okay. have a quote unquote producer that make sure that everybody gets welcomed. We welcome people to the show every single time. We call them by name. A lot of them are regular. So we have regular jokes about their name or where they're from or what they've done and what happened. So you build that camaraderie in that community. Mm-hmm. You encourage people to ask questions. When they ask a question, you either invite them to the stage so you can bring them to say, come on and ask your question. Or I will introduce it as their question. So I'll say, oh, you know, Alicia Barr, she's an amazing marketing person. She has this great question I want to ask you, and then I'm going to ask it to the guest. Now, we do this for multiple reasons, but the main reason is because we want to create a feeling that they're a part of the journey. And this, these people that join the show regularly become the core of the community outside of the show, within the Facebook group, Discord, wherever it is that you're running it, right? Clubhouse, uh, wherever you're hosting your community. So the show, the live show, is the core. And just to complete the process to talk about the community, I said there are four kinds of relationship building. One-to-one, which is what we're doing right now, chatting to one another. One-to-few, which you can do if you have an audience, a live audience that can participate. One-to-many, which is once you publish this on as a podcast, as social snippets, as YouTube, whatever it is it's going to go. And then the community. And the community is really where the real magic happens because that's where you're going to get your best clients, your best uh, referrals, your best social proof, and all of that comes from the community itself. 
Well, and I see what you're saying. Like, it's really fun for anybody to be shaping the narrative to say that they were part of the direction that something took. Um, it definitely makes them more invested in the result of it, the outcome of it. Um, but do you wait for them to approach you about working with you or do you notice an opportunity and go to them with it? So somebody taught me about peach weaving. Do you know that person? (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's kind of like that, right? So we never in any of our client shows, we never sell anything. It's Mm -hmm. value, 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 value. But within the value conversation, it's always around stuff that us and or our clients know about, right? So it's about, uh, let's say it's us, right? So it's going to be about how do you produce a show? How do you create a show that will attract people? How do you, what do you talk about? How do you manage the show that will really activate the people in the audience to be participating in it? How, so people understand without me selling anything, what I'm actually good at, what value do I provide to the market, to the world, to my customers and so on without me having to ever sell and make any offer. What happens in the community is is even more interesting because what happens is this generates shitloads of content, right? Because we reproduce that content as a million different things as you've seen on my show, right? It's now, Mm -hmm. it's quote cards and video pieces and audio pieces and YouTube and Facebook and like it literally goes everywhere. So people will see that and they're like, oh, this is interesting. And they will join the show because it's a frictionless way. There are no commitment to anything. We provide great value. We bring interesting guests. Yeah. And again, not for us, for our, for our clients. So our clients bring interesting guests on the topics that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So their audience joins. And now somebody has seen the show three times. Like, okay, that sounds like exactly the kind of company I want to work with. And they know there's a community because we mention that every single time. So they go to where the community lives, let's say the Facebook group. And they go to the Facebook, the Facebook group and they say, you know what? I've been on the show three times uh, and... Alicia sounds like the real deal. Has anybody here actually worked with her? And what happens is five to six people will say, yes, absolutely. She's great. Don't think twice. She's amazing. Uh, Yes, do it. It's fantastic. Five to six other people will write a freaking blog post because they (laughs) feel a part of this. It's not just you. It's not just the company. It's now they're a part of this thing. They feel like ambassadors of this thing that they're a part of. And then they were right. You know, in 2019, I was stuck and I didn't know what to do and I couldn't grow with my business. And I was about to lose my job and I decided to make an investment in myself, blah, 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 blah. I hired Alicia and so on and so forth. And, and they write literally like 800 words piece of a reply in a Facebook group, which is something I've never, ever seen. But if you create that community, create that feel of belonging, that's the outcome. And you have multiple, multiple examples to show what I just said. Well, and I think what really speaks to me out of that and probably speaks to the type of person you're trying to attract is that you're able to make more of an impact on somebody's life in that instance, which is really rewarding that you were able to make a difference in someone's life because they meant more to you than just what they could buy. And for that reason, their ears were like able to hear what you were saying more and they were able to implement whatever you were saying more and get the result. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I I think it's the beauty of this is because it's providing value to a very specific kind of person, you will attract that kind of person. So if you start with a strategy of who am I trying to attract? 
what are the topics that are interesting to them? It has nothing to do with my business. It has nothing to do with what I provide. It has to do with what would be interesting to them and how do I provide them the most amount of value without any commitment on their behalf? People value that and people get attracted to that. In the beginning, some people think it's a scam because it's like, oh, so they got to be selling something. I'm not. I'm never, ever in any of our shows selling anything. But we're talking about things that are relevant to what we do or in our clients' shows about what they do. And they keep on providing value and providing, showing how knowledgeable they are, how well-connected they are, how successful they are. Now, the other thing that comes into that strategy is who do you invite as a guest? Right? So you have a podcast. And in many cases, podcasters, they invite interesting people. So you invited me because I hope you think I'm interesting. But yeah. that's usually how you start. You invite interesting people. Well, the I trick also is consider who brings value to my audience. Of course. But then, but then there are other categories why you want to invite people on your show. Going back to how you started this, I want to drive sales for my clients. I want to drive sales for myself, leveraging the show, leveraging the community. So there are multiple kinds of clients you can invite. One of them is what we just talked about. So great educational, valuable material for your target audience. That's number one. Number two is authority figures, right? If you could have, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a big sales guru, Greg Cardone, right? Have I him. I knew you show. were going to say him. I would never. I hate the guy, by the way, not yeah. the quote, but I, I literally can't stand the guy, but it's a name that everybody yeah. knows. Yeah, if right. you have him on your show, two things happen. First of all, people are like, oh my God, it has to be an amazing show because she had yeah. this guy or gal or whatever it is that you're having. Um, but, uh, but the other thing that he does is whoever else you want to invite afterwards, you say, oh, you know, I, I had Grant Cardone three weeks ago. I really want to invite you as a, as a guest on my show. It was like, oh my God, of course I want to be on the same stage that this guy's been on or this gal has been on, right? So, so it serves two purposes. So the second thing is like big names. The third thing is your target audience. So there's those people that you don't have access to and you can't call call them because they will completely ignore you and will hang up the phone or will never answer or on LinkedIn and so on. But again, if you invite them as an expert on your show, 99% of people say yes. And it's magical. Just the fact you have a show. And, and again, people don't get that. People saying, oh, but we don't have any audience. Nobody asks. I'm doing this they don't. for multiple. They really, they really don't. Nobody asks. Like, <clears throat> I'm doing this for multiple companies in multiple industries. I have my own show. I've helped other people launch their shows. And everybody in the beginning, like, how will I get guests? Like, nobody, like, I don't have anybody listening. Zero people. Zero people in yeah. the three years that I've been doing this or two and a half years that I've been doing this, ask me how many people listen to my show. Yeah. So it's, it's not a barrier. So it, it, it provides access that nothing else provides. And that access is now you can talk to your dream client for 45 minutes to an hour and geek out with them on stuff they want to geek out on and make them look amazing. Because what you're going to do is you're going to take that content and make them look amazing. So there's different kinds of, oh, and obviously success stories. So the last kind of guest you want to have is success stories because it just, just builds trust. So it's mm-hmm. not just Elisa just talking about Elisha, what she can do and how smart she is and whatever. Here's an example of somebody that completely transformed their business because they took Alicia's course or 
advice or whatever I, the case. I may. haven't really heard that one, but it makes sense. So, so yeah, so, so there's, there's a lot of strategy behind this, right? It's not just the tactics of how do I do this and what do I do? There's a lot of strategy behind this, but if you do all of this right, you get access to decision makers and high level people that are your target audience. You have incredible social proof to what you do coming from the community. You have the support of your community in means of referrals and so on, because they love what you do and they feel a part of the journey. And, and you do this while developing relationships with a lot of people while investing a relatively small amount of time. Yeah. I mean, that's quite, that's quite the pitch. <laughs> it's a little irresistible. Um, and I mean, the cool thing is that uh, the thing that really stands out from what you said is this moderator or producer thing. So um, I think a lot of people feel if they're hearing this, that sounds like a real differentiator um, from what most people are doing with a podcast, but they probably feel like, I don't know how to do that, but I know that you guys have so many SOPs and processes and ways to train people on how to do exactly that, which is super helpful because, you know, there's, there's gotta be some art to that, uh, the right person in that seat for sure. So yeah, you, you touched on the right word, right? Like like anything, it's a mix of, of art and science. And you talked about the science, our process that we, again, implement for ourselves and for our clients has about 75 steps. Each and every one of those steps has an SOP that is five to 50 steps long. So it's a pretty crazy little scary flowchart of everything that we do for our clients to make this thing work. And there's the art side, right? At the end of the day, you need to know how to attract people, how to make it interesting, how to make people participate, how to make the community uh, engaged and so on. So there's, there's an art and science, both can be taught, right? So we do two things. We do this as a service. And in most cases, I think that's the right way to go because you, whoever you are that's listening to this, need to do what you know how to do. So do your thing, right? If it's running an electrical company, if it's building furniture, if it's providing uh, whatever services that you're providing, right? It's That's what you know how to do. You will, even if you take all my training and you copy everything that I do, I do this for X number of other clients. I have a team that specializes in exactly each and every one of those steps. So my ability to learn and progress and be six months from now, way better than I am right now, which you won't have because you'll do it just for yourself is very, very limited, right? But there are companies who want to do this in-house. So we do this as a course as well, which we literally just launched. That's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. There's people who have the players on the team to execute it. If they just had the format, that yep. makes sense that there's two audiences there. And I mean, I was just talking to somebody about this idea of doing it on your own versus a guide in any capacity. And it's really like there's math to it. And if you look at the math, it takes this many hours and this much missed opportunity. If you do it on your own, and if you're okay with that, then power to you. However, if you wanted to take this fraction of hours and make, you know, this much out of the opportunities you have in this amount of time, then the guide is worth it. So being able to really like transparently look at both sets of numbers and be empowered to make the best decision for you based on really being real about that information. 
Because I mean, people say like, oh, it'll accelerate your growth. But, you know, when you really put it into numbers, it makes it like abundantly clear. I agree. I, listen, both of us do something similar on a high level concept, right? We teach people how to be better at what they do. We provide them a lever that they otherwise wouldn't have. And some people say, well, I can do this in-house. And maybe they can. The problem with doing it in-house is A, you're limited with your knowledge because you only know what you know and you're not an expert on the other thing. And there's no reason for you to be an expert on the other thing, right? There is, right. that's why you hire lawyers as a service and the cleaning people as a cleaning service. And, uh, and, and you know, you, you have a lot of things that you take for granted that this is an out external thing. I'm not going to yeah. have this function within my company because it doesn't make any sense. There's somebody who's better than me at it that can do it for less money and they already know how to do it. This is the same kind of thing, right? You can hire somebody. And I think what we're talking about is the future of any business and the pandemic just accelerated that. It was there before, but the pandemic provided this opportunity to do everything digitally. It's totally acceptable to talk to people who are potentially in their underwear. I'm not, by the way, for those who are watching this, I actually have jeans on. Me neither. But, I've got yeah, but, but, but it became normal, right? It's like people in their house. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm just saying for, for, those, for those who might. Right. Uh, so I... I think the future of business will be this hybrid model, right? This hybrid model where you focus on your core competency. You focus on really understanding your clients and their needs and focusing on delivering value to them. And everything else you outsource. And the trick about outsourcing is how do you make it as seamless as possible, right? So your challenge is my challenge as service providers is how do we make it as seamless as possible? The way we do this, we join the weekly marketing meeting of our clients. We become oh, wow. a part of the marketing team. Wow. So we, we become part of the marketing team. We join the meetings. We do everything their marketing team does. We fill up whatever forms, like we give them progress, like everything. We become an extension of the company. So from their perspective, it's an in-house company, right? We're not like mm -hmm. a consultant that they, that they hired. It becomes a part of their team. And it's magical because the level of openness and cooperation and hence result that happen out of this are amazing. And I think, like I said, I think this is the future where, where the workforce is going. You'll have this hybrid model of external people that work within your business and in-house people that will focus on the stuff that you're really good at, that is your core competency, that is your uh, hedgehog, if you're reading, uh, uh, oh my God, I, brain fog. Uh, I haven't heard of that term. No, it, it will come to me. Um, oh, one of the best business writers ever. It will come back to me. I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think a lot of people, when they start to, to run a business, find that all of a sudden they have to do things that are not their specialty and it sucks. And the point is to get the business up and running enough so that you can then start hiring people. Like, I don't want to be a bookkeeper. It's not really the thing that I love to do. So yeah. it's one of the first things that I've started investing in is someone else to do that for me. I'm not a tax accountant. Like I'm definitely hiring somebody for that. Um, so it, it it's kind of like, I mean, I always say this, I have somebody 
I work my ass off to make money so that I can make things more convenient for me. And when things are more convenient for you, you have time and energy and effort to put into other things. So like I have someone who comes and picks the poop, the dog poop up at my house. Fantastic investment. Highly recommend it. Yeah. (laughs) Like I, I just, you know, people will be like, but you have to pay. And I'm like, what, what else are you spending it? That's, that's well spent. Um, so as you get bigger, you get, you get to do this so that you can do the only thing that you love. So I think so many times people are too focused on the expense of it instead of the missed opportunity by doing it on their own and doing it at like subpar quality. Yeah. Like I'm not going to save as much on my taxes if I do it myself for sure. Not. Totally. I, yeah. I'll add to that. I think it's a, you, you bring up a very important and interesting point, but you're looking at it from, you know, your client's viewpoint, which is mostly probably solopreneurs and small business owners. Right. I'm looking at it. So I, I, I've been both. I started a few of my own businesses doing exactly what you're just saying when in the beginning you do everything, but I also ran a hundred million dollar company. And even there, it's the same thing. You think you can do everything because you have a marketing team and a sales team and a product team and a development team and a this team and a that team. And, and even an in-house lawyer, you think you can do everything. But it's exactly the last point you said. My marketing team, and I had really smart people in the marketing team, will never be experts on PPC. They'll be okay on a few different things. They'll never be experts on PPC. Why? Because they're doing 20 other things. Yeah. If I'll hire a PPC agency that does PPC for 25 different other organizations within my niche, I can guarantee you they will get me better results than I can do with my really good team. So I think that's where that missed opportunity and those expertise in specific niches that are not your core business are the greatest opportunity of the next coming few years because it's totally acceptable to do everything on Zoom now or on whatever other platform, right? So you don't have to ever meet the people face-to-face. You don't have to fly across the country. You can get incredible talent, incredible talent across the globe for cents on the dollar. Cents on the dollar compared to hiring a person in-house, getting faster and better results. And I think that's where we're all going. I agree. And it's exciting. I like the picture that you're painting. Um, it feels attainable and it's simplified. I think that a lot of people really overwhelm themselves. And I think that's a good stopping point for us. And so we've reached another, the end of yet another episode of sales is not a dirty word. And this episode was about how to create a sales generating podcast community. And there were some really different techniques mentioned here that it's very clear how much of a difference they can make. And I don't really know anyone else who's doing that with a podcast. So thanks again, Isar, for making an appearance as our guest today. Thank you so much. I, I had a blast. I enjoy talking to you every time we do. And I, I'm, I'm hoping this was valuable to your audience. I mean, I think it, it gives, I love how out of the box it is. So I, I found it very valuable it at least has to get wheels turning. Um, so can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they could work with you? Absolutely. So the easiest thing to learn about our company is be the stage.live. That's the name of the company because we want us and our clients to be 
to be the stage of others to shine. That's really the trick behind everything that we do. So be the stage live is the name of the company. If you, I mentioned that we started doing courses. It's really very, very new. So we sold out the first one in like three days, which was mind blowing to me because that wasn't planned. But if you want to kind of like grab your spot in the next one, uh, you can go to be the stage.live forward slash bootcamp in which we're going to teach everything that we do. So that's that. And if you want to connect with me directly, uh, just find me on LinkedIn. That's where I uh, roam most of the time. I'm Isar, I-S-A-R, last name Matis, M-E-I-T-I-S. I know it's a mouthful, but I'm the only Isar Matis on LinkedIn, which is amazing because if you found one, that's me. So uh, if you want to connect with me and ask me more questions, I love, as you can probably tell, geek about these things and share information. So feel free to connect with me. And uh, that's it. These are the best ways. Oh, and, and I have a podcast, right? You mentioned that in the beginning. Uh, if you want to listen to my podcast where I interview a lot of CEOs and business experts about how to grow businesses, you can go and look up the Business Growth Accelerator on wherever you're listening to this podcast. And I'll say one more thing. While you're doing this, go and give a five-star review to Alicia for her podcast. A lot of people don't think about it, but it makes a huge, huge difference. And, you know, we all do this kind of like without getting anything for it. We're just trying to help other people. So your way to help Alicia is just go give her a five-star review and share that podcast with other people you think is going to benefit from that. That's so nice. I always forget to say that a hundred percent of the time. So thank you. Sorry. Um, this has been the sales is not a dirty word podcast where we show you how to convert up to 80% of your leads without pain pitching or pretending to be someone else. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.